Welcome back, guys, to the Grateful Living podcast. Today, I am fortunate to have Adam Burak um, on the podcast. Adam is a consultant at the Winkler Group. Uh, the Winkler Group helps nonprofits um, raise more money to accomplish their missions. Um, today, um, Adam is going to talk about his life story and um, specifically maybe how he struggled with substance abuse how, and how he's trying to help others uh, be more honest about their mental health um, and work on getting through things. Adam, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Arnav. Uh, it was great to connect with you and I absolutely love what you're doing. Um, so I'm happy to share my story and really uh, hopefully if it can help one person, then that's worth it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's awesome what you're doing and I know that um, people will really um, find it very helpful. Um, so let's, let's go back to the beginning. Um, let's talk about, you know, where you grew up, uh, maybe your family situation, uh, what type of kid you were, things like that. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's actually, it's, it's pretty interesting. So I grew up in Massachusetts and spent, uh, most of my, I've spent most of my life in Massachusetts. Um, I grew up in Acton, Boxborough, uh, went to Acton, Boxborough Regional High School and Acton, uh, schools all throughout, um, my childhood. Um, I really grew kind of grew up at, at, at a younger age being, um, when I first, uh, you know, was a lot younger, I was pretty shy. Um, and that really flipped. I became uh, an extreme extrovert, somebody that loved being around other people and loved um, just getting together with friends. Um, you know, I've, I struggle with being alone. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of always what I've been like. Um, and that, that really, you know, uh, transcended through high school. Um, and, and it's still how I am yeah. now, kind of what, what happened was I really saw, um, through high school, I loved to have fun and I was connected with a lot of different types of people, yeah. um, which led me to, uh, doing a lot of, uh, partying and uh, sp specifically a lot of drinking. Um, and I know we'll get into that, but yeah. I really found my value what is what I thought my value was through high school was as an entertainer, yeah. somebody that was the life of the party that was always having fun, always drinking. And that kind of led me to um, a road that I didn't want to go on that I'll get into more. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, um, you know, I guess the feeling of wanting to be, you know, the life of the party and, and where does that come from? Um, did you just feel an insecurity about fitting in and, and things like that? So it actually, I've, I've done a lot of reflecting on this it, because it's kind of where, why I did what I did. Yeah. It's, it wasn't so much an insecurity about fitting in. Yeah. It was more that I was, I was an average student, um, in high school. I, I got B's, um, you know, I did well. I, I, uh, I, but I never really thought that people valued me for my intellectual ability. Um, I thought people more valued me for, you know, being a jokester, being a class clown, being somebody that, um, that, you know, w wanted to have fun all the time. Yeah. And I didn't know that I always envied people that could do both. Yeah. I, I always love, like through college, I had, I had friends that 
partied really hard, yeah. but also did extremely well in school. Yeah. I, I could never find that balance. Yeah. And, and I, if I did, I probably would be in a different spot, but it always was one or the other for me. Um, and it came out of a, I think the, the life of the party came out of that not seeing my value as somebody that was, um, was intellectual and was really offering a lot, you know, other than being a social person. It's tough because I think, especially middle school, high school, you start getting characterized into these, like you're a theater person, you're a jock, you're like, you know, you're a nerd, like, and it's like, it all, and it's like, it was, it was interesting. Like Adam and I grew up the same town. We went to the same middle and high school um, because it, there wasn't a lot of interaction with, within the groups. So a nerd wasn't talking to, you know, a skater kid, like, and totally. so once you, once you became characterized in one of these situations, it was like, you had to like, be that for like the next six years, like from seventh to 12th. It, it's, it's spot on. And I never was, I, ne I was, I was also average at sports. So I was average at school average at sports yeah. and I was above average at socializing with others. Yeah. Um, and, or, and I, and I like to have fun with other people. Now this wasn't a problem in high school um, because it was the norm to, to drink too much. Yeah. Um, and to, and to, for my, for my group, it was the norm. Yeah. Um, and I, I got in trouble a few times and still didn't really, uh, it didn't click in my mind this isn't, this is not normal. Yeah. Um, but you're spot on about the groups. Like, so I was in accelerated classes in high school, which was the, um, which is funny because in Acton Boxborough, if you're accelerated, you're average yeah. in any other school, it's, yep. that's not the case. Yeah. Um, so, and I also didn't do anything like extracurricular wise, like, you know, I, I'm very into politics and, and government and, uh, advocating and I didn't do any of that in, in, in high school. Yeah. I actually ran for um, for class office, but it was as a joke. Yeah. That speaks to the fact that yeah. I was just an entertainer. Yeah. I would have loved to be our class president, and yeah. I think I would have made a good one. Yeah. I think we had good class presidents, but I'd never thought, you know, that was a nerdy thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to do that. So I did it as a joke because I thought that's why people, I thought people would be like, oh, that's funny, you know. Oh, that, and then they would say, oh, it's weird if you're actually running for it. Yeah. Um, so I, I really didn't have somewhere where I identified, uh, other than that social aspect. Yeah. Talk to us about, um, when you first got introduced to alcohol, what was the type of situation it was and things like that. So I got introduced to alcohol, uh, my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I had drank a few times, just a little bit, um, you know, a, a couple drinks. Um, my first real time drinking is um and everybody from acton boxborough knows about it is when i got in trouble um and i just completely you know it was one of my first times experiencing alcohol and i drank way too much and had to go to the hospital yeah and um so i took a month off after that of drinking this, but this was in a social this was at a sweet 16 it, it was actually at the football game Oh, at a football uh, it was actually at, at one of the football games of, and people drank before the football game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, so that was the thing to do. 
Um, I'm just I'm just setting the scene that this wasn't you weren't alone in your room. This no, was no social thing you were doing it with social friends. thing. Yeah, and yeah. that and and you're you're speaking to kind of what my story is yeah. because I would drink in social situations. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wasn't uh, an alcoholic that would drink alone. I yeah. would I would drink in social situations, but I would drink too much and I couldn't stop. So really, I I just you know I drank a lot of vodka that night. And, and it was my first experience, um, really getting drunk and, uh, it was scary. Um, but I, and I knew it wasn't a good thing, but I didn't realize that, you know, I, that it really was, was going to be going down a down a bad road. I didn't know because I was like, okay, this can happen. People can get too, too intoxicated, but I didn't really know that the the dangers of alcohol people had told me them um and told me you know you can get addicted and and all that but um i didn't really understand it until i experienced it firsthand yeah it's um it's one of those things i think especially at that age a lot of our friends would just say oh it's you know it's one of the effects oh passing out is one of the effects you know it's just that happens here and there you know and you don't realize yeah how totally. I heard much. that a number of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you said after that incident, you, I mean, you stopped for a month. Were you stopping because of how you felt, because of parents, because, or like, what, what, what made you stop for that month? So it was mostly the trouble that I got in. It okay. wasn't my mindset. And that's a really important thing. Um, It, you're never going to stop something until you actually realize that it's something that's not good for you and that you have buy-in on, on not doing something. Um, So I stopped and and I remember I I went to a birthday party um, about a month later um, and drank again. Um, And after going to the hospital, now looking back, that's not normal. Um, that, you know, somebody that has had that experience with alcohol should not be drinking. Um, and, and that's kind of the message that I want to portray that it's, it's okay. If you can't drink, there's so many people, there's millions and millions of people that can't drink because they overdo it. They have genetics. Um, they're, they have some sort of health issue and that's fine. Um, so it really wasn't anything. I didn't have a mind. I didn't, I knew that I was going to drink again when it happened um, because my mindset wasn't on quitting. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess throughout high school you continued and, um, it really wasn't something that you, you know, were like reflecting on or thinking about changing. No, I, I completely continued. Um, really a lot of what I did revolved around alcohol. Um, I, which also is another red flag. I, I, you know, would always, I would, I would want to drink, you know, on the weekends, which again is a normal thing in high school. Um, and I, I even would continue to drink, um, and go to school, uh, you know, school, uh, sporting events because that's what everybody did. I told myself that I would never show up to a school sporting event again, after drinking but I did because I it had that hold on me um and really I didn't see a way to 
not drink. Now I didn't get in trouble again in high school, um, which I'm fortunate to, um, but things started to go downhill again. Um, when I was in college and I should, uh, I should also, uh, say that drinking was still fun when I was in high school. Um, when it becomes not fun and when it becomes a chore and you don't want to do it, that is a sign to stop. You should 100%, if you ever have any second thoughts about drinking, you should not be doing that. And that's what started to happen in college. Gotcha. Um, so talk a little bit about starting out in college and, and the environments that maybe you were getting into, things like that. Yeah, so so my freshman year, um, I pledged a fraternity uh, right when I started. Um, and drinking was the norm there as well. Um, so it was still all around me. It was still how I derived the social aspect was still how I derived my value. I talked about in college, I was also doing uh, actually below average my first two years um, because of the drinking and because that was my focus. Plus, I wasn't healthy. But my freshman year was I, I enjoyed it for the first um, semester of my freshman year. Yeah. And then it took a turning point. Um, I got in trouble again at a concert um, and, and drank way too much and had to go to the hospital again, um, which is something I'm very not proud of and um, really, uh, really should have understand how worried it made people around me. Um, you know, mostly my parents um, and, you know, my friends not so much um, because they didn't really realize how much I was struggling internally with it after that. So. I, I, after that, um, that was really when everything changed. Um, and I started to really not like drinking and not want to do, not to want to drink. This was my freshman year, second semester. Um, and so I took a break over the summer, um, and, uh, which was hard, but good. Um, my mental health was not good at all. Um, I was really, um, going through challenges because I wasn't drinking Um, The drinking, and most people don't know this, substances can really uh, not do do terrible things to your kind of mental makeup. Um, And they can mask different mental health issues that you might have. It's, you know, people say the word self-medicating, but they don't understand that that takes away for, for, from somebody that's suffering with, um, say, OCD, for example, they're not going to feel that effect because they're drinking. But it's, it's, almost it's it's worse because you're self-medicating not in the right way yeah um, not addressing so, the problem exactly exactly so um there were two years after that incident where i went through and i continued to drink not wanting to because i didn't know how to go through school without it and my sophomore year was one of the most challenging times of my life because I didn't want to drink and it was having, I started to really feel that. Um, and, and it weighed on me. Um, but I didn't know what to do. Talk Um, about that a little bit more. Cause is that just, a, you know, from a social perspective, like, you know, on a, you know, if you're seeing everybody else doing it, you're like, man, I'm going to be the only one not doing it. And that's why you were doing it. Things like that. Yeah, totally. Um, And I was scared, honestly. I was like, um, 
to be to be truthful, um, I thought I was depressed and I thought I was drinking because I was depressed, but that wasn't the case at all. Because when I wouldn't drink for those short periods of time, I would start to feel better. Um, but it had such a hold on me and that environment was so powerful. Like no, and, and this is a really important point. I was the only one that knew I was having a problem because I wasn't holed up in my room drinking 12 beers on a, on a Monday night. I wasn't drinking alone. I was, wasn't drinking on Sundays. I was binge drinking over the weekend. It was a binge drinking problem. And so when Sunday came, I would be so anxious. I would be going through withdrawal and then I would, I would start, I would go through withdrawal from Sunday to uh, Thursday and then I would drink again. It was a, it was a, it was a horrible, horrible uh, spiral of, um, of, of feeling basically throughout the whole week where I never, I, I would start to feel better on Wednesday and I would have a productive day on Wednesday and then I would, and then I would do it again. Yeah. Um, so the fact that I was able to get through school dealing with all this is pretty much a miracle. Yeah. And I'm so thankful about it. I remember when I, gra- when we'll get to this, when I graduated, I was like beyond ecstatic because I did it. I conquered it yeah. and I graduated um in time and it was i felt really really good about myself talk about your thoughts on colleges and providing resources so i'll give you an example um you know at bc we used to have our freshman year nights on the heights and these were these activities where um you know basically it was these activities like you know, build a bear or, um, you know, a photo booth or whatever, um, which became carnival on the green or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which became, we had those too. Yeah. Which became characterized as the place for freshmen who didn't drink. I mean, that's what we did, you know, Friday and Saturday nights. Um, what unfortunately happened through certain things and reorganization, those got canceled after our freshman year. Um, it, it got brought on to a different organization. Um, but you know, when I think about my experience, um, I'm like, I'm not sure that, you know, my freshman year, I didn't drink. So I'm not sure that I would have been able to not drink had that not been there. And then my sophomore through senior year, there, that wasn't there. And, you know, through peer pressure and things like that, I eventually, you know, relented. But I think, for me personally, I think colleges should be providing more resources, more events and things like on a Friday and Saturday night where you can do something else, where it's not like literally everybody you know is going to a party. Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. Um, and, and also post-college that this yeah. is something I've noticed, but to speak on the, um, and I forget what Delaware called it. Um, because I, I did. So when I started to make a change, um, after my, uh, I started to do better my junior year, but I actually, um, quit drinking, uh, on October 30th, um, 20, that would have been uh, 2016. Um, 
Uh, so I'm going on four years without a, a sip of alcohol. Congratulations. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm really, I mean, my life is so much better. Yeah. Um, but I went to an alcohol counselor at school um, and I credit her with um, uh, really saving my life, so to speak. Um, not so much that I was going to was going to potentially die drinking alcohol, but that I wasn't tapping into who I really am and my true potential. I was losing myself with alcohol um, and losing who I am. Um, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I connect with people with or without alcohol. Yeah. Um, a lot of people said to me, Hey, we don't even think you need to drink alcohol. You're that yeah. social. And, yeah. and, and, and I've been fortunate to be able to have that because I was able to socialize without alcohol, um, which I know a lot of people with social anxiety resort to alcohol to get them to socialize. That's a more challenging thing. Um, But she recommended those, those uh, events on the weekend um, for me. Yeah. But to be, to talk about classification, like we did in high school, I wouldn't go. Yeah. I would, I was, I wouldn't go to that. Yeah. I thought people that went to that were, um, and this is when I was younger and less mature. Yeah. Um, I thought they were, they were weird. I yeah. was like, you know, I don't want to be around those people. Yeah. Um, you know, th- those aren't my types of people. And it also speaks to how I didn't derive my value for anything from anything like that. I wish I ran for off uh, class office in, in college too. never did it because I related myself to alcohol. Yeah. Um, I also wish I did, you know, more clubs like joined like a fishing club or um, some sort of um, politics club um, where those activities could have taken up my, my, my weekends. I think we're speaking to a more generalized issue. Yeah. People post-grads still don't know what to do other than to go out and drink. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what to do. It's been so interesting seeing in the, in quarantine and all these things, how many people can't go without going to a nightclub. How you, that's when you realize how big of a problem it is. Yeah. If you can't go two months without going to a nightclub and drinking, you may have a bigger problem on your hand. T- totally. And, and alcohol consumption has gone up since COVID yep. um, because people are dealing with, the mental health effects that 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 quarantine is having on them that losing a job is having on them there is there are so many other things that you can do to get your mental health in a better situation um i'm remark it's remarkable how many people i know uh, or that that i see not even that i know that just rely on alcohol for their weekend um and it doesn't have to be that way um now it's really hard at first when you're not going out and drinking but there are so many other things that you can get into um that don't have to do with alcohol plus you can go out and not drink it's amazing how many people i i used to ask because i go out and one of my things that you know and everybody that goes out with me knows this is i order a a cranberry seltzer and lime or a uh uh, Coke with a lime and yeah. people, nobody knows that you're not drinking. Yeah. You have that drink in your hand yeah. and people yeah. are like, Oh, this kid's just out. And I socialize. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I always say to bartenders, how many people aren't ordering alcohol drinks? And she said, you're one of the extremely few yeah. people don't go out that don't drink. Yeah. 
but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Um, I know other countries are having some soda clubs and places where people, how cool would it be if we connected without being under the influence of alcohol? How awesome would a situation be where you could go out and not drink alcohol? I think that would be great for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about your mental health during your you know, high school and college years. And I mean, a lot of this stuff is intertwined, you know, maybe not wanting to deal with your mental health issues makes you Friday and Saturday night just like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to, you know, reflect on my problems. I'm going to just, you know, make them go away. Talk about yeah. things like that. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, I think it speaks to, uh, 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 it started with deriving my value from being that entertainer and that class clown and socializer. I didn't think I had value in, in what people saw me intellectually as because I was average in my community. You know, I never stood out in that way. Yeah. I stood out for my ability to connect with people yeah. and socialize. So yeah. I really, that's what I relied on. Yeah. Um, and I really never had, um, through high school and, 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 and younger, um, I was really always a happy-go-lucky kid. Yeah. Um, I really, uh, I didn't know that there were a lot of um, mental health issues going on that I really didn't experience. Um, and so uh, I, through my drinking, I, that's how I really kind of discovered that. Um, because, the, you know, when I saw some, the counselor, she was like, um, you know, oftentimes somebody with that substance abuse has some sort of mental health challenge that they're going through. So when I started, stopped drinking, certain things started happening that was really weird. Like I felt a lot better, but I was having some really weird thoughts um, going on in my head that I had never had. They, they made me think I was depressed. Um, yeah. And I found out that um, I, when I stopped drinking, I went to go see a psychiatrist. I had never been to a psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, through what I was describing to him, um, I found out that I had been, uh, always had OCD. Yeah. Um, gotcha. so obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. Now I thought I knew some people with OCD. Um, and I thought it was obsessive hand washing. Um, yeah. and I thought it was upset being obsessed about how your room looked or, you know, your you organized your desk in high school. Yeah. I didn't understand all the kind of inner workings of what OCD can present itself like. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't really understand that somebody could have OCD and it not present itself in that way. Yeah. So once I realized what was going on, it was like, you can't solve a problem unless you diagnose it. Yeah. And things started to get a lot better. What was the point at which you, you said you went to a counselor um, in college? What made you get to that point? Was it a night out that just was rough or like what? I mean, how did, cause that's, that's an important step is, is first acknowledging the problem. Maybe you can talk about that. And then beyond that, taking a step to solve the problem. Yeah, it's, 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 that's, this is like kind of the, the, if I want anybody to take away anything from this, it's this point. Um, so a number of things, 
So when I was drinking um, and in my freshman year and sophomore year, um, and I was having all these mental health challenges, I thought I was depressed, as I told you. I went, I did see a counselor then, I saw my pediatrician, um, and uh, through what I was describing, he wasn't a psychiatrist, so he didn't really understand uh, that all the things that I was experiencing um, were stemming from the OCD. Um, and I was using the alcohol to combat that. Um, so I was the, I, um, was, uh, treating depression when I wasn't depressed. So I didn't really know what was going on, but then I was getting help, um, with my alcohol at the same time. Um, and, uh, so I was, it was suggested to me that I should try to drink in moderation. This is, this is a, a really key point of of when i started to realize okay there's going to be a need to have a major change um so i was seeing somebody and my counselor to to uh that i was talking to and uh we had set a limit on me of um i believe it was 14 drinks uh throughout the week um because i was mostly drinking four nights a week so that would equate to three drinks um a night about um, and I could do it during the week. I would have a couple beers, um, or, you know, I would ration out my alcohol and then I would switch to, you know, a soda that would look like alcohol after. Yeah. Um, and so, but then Saturday, Delaware would always have day parties. Yeah. So you would start drinking at 10 or 11 AM yeah. and drink all day. Yeah. Um, now it was so hard for me to drink in moderation and stick to that um, that 14 drink limit yeah. that I would always end up just saying, fuck it and drink a ton on Saturday. Yeah. And this would happen, yeah. you know, uh, verbatim all the time. Yeah. Um, and so really what, what the turning point was, was I, so I had, it was homecoming, um, my senior year of college, about two months in, I was drinking and binging, yeah. um, you know, on Saturdays, homecoming came, Um, and I drank a lot and I would always tell her how many drinks I had on every day on, and I came in, um, and, and that Saturday I had had 15 drinks. Um, and that wasn't uncommon, um, you know, on Saturdays and it really, what happened was I, on that Sunday, I went to a mental health awareness walk, um, and I was extremely hungover, um, you know, withdrawing and, I was walking in a mental health awareness walk when my mental health was horrible yeah. and I wasn't addressing my mental health. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, this is, doesn't make sense at all. Why am I doing this? Like I can't drink in moderation. I can't drink at all. I just can't do it. Yeah. So I, this, and we can get into the steps that I took after I made this decision, yeah. but that was October 30th, that, yeah. that Saturday wow. uh, in 2016. And I made the decision to never, uh, to not drink again. Um, and I, and then I started to develop steps to not do that. Yeah. Um, so I guess, have you like, what were the immediate steps you took after that? Let's talk about that. So the first steps I took, um, because as I told you, I, I, derive value from social and uh, emotional connections with others. Um, I started to tell people, Um, I started to say, 
hey, I've been, I don't know if you know this, but I've been having a really hard time with alcohol. Um, and people didn't know it because I, the stereotypical alcoholic in college was drinking alone in their room. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't doing that. I was just binging. Yeah. Um, so I started to tell people and it, I was extremely fortunate to have great reactions from people. Um, I knew that I couldn't do it if I did, didn't have people really fully understanding of what was going on. Yeah. Um, that was going to be a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and so people said, I'm here to support you. That's um, awesome. you know, I must've texted, I thought about posting on Facebook, but people that I didn't really interact with didn't need to know, right. Yeah. You know, right then. Yeah. So I, I really talked to people all around me. Um, and they were supportive. Yeah. Um, awesome. and then I, you know, I told myself, okay, you're going to go get more help. You're going to go, you know, to the, so I went to get to the alcohol counselor the next day, um, and got help there, got, got a resource. So at that time I was seeing, um, both an alcohol specific counselor and a therapist, um, you know, to help me through it. We yeah. developed plans, talked every week. She checked in on me. Um, I also would, uh, get away from campus on the weekends, yeah. which was transformational. Yeah. Um, and it's worth mentioning, uh, I, I met my girlfriend a week after I stopped drinking, wow. um, that I'm still with. Yeah. Uh, we've been together for, uh, about three years. Um, so, and, and so, um, I started dating her, which was extremely helpful because I could confide in her. Um, and she understood and would, you know, she had friends and she was still drinking. So she would stay on campus sometimes, but I would some, you know, we would, we, we went to school in Delaware and there wasn't much to do outside of campus. So we would go to DC for the day. Yeah. Or we would go um, visit her parents in Baltimore, um, which was really helpful because I felt like it was I wasn't able to not drink around people until about a few months after I had to just get away. Yeah, yeah, no, to take yourself out of that situation. Uh, that's that's smart. Um, I mean, so talk. I mean, I guess the hard part in cutting off cold turkey like that is the desire to go back the withdrawals that physically your body is at like you can't control that i mean there's just there's the mental aspect but like physically your body is used to on a saturday you drinking alcohol talk about that were you ever close to drinking um after that october 30th date so, uh, not immediately. Um, I wasn't immediately, but you're spot on about the withdrawals and the effect on the mental health that, that not having alcohol in your system has, especially for a prolonged amount of time. Um, it gets better. So that, and I'm not going to be spot on medically right now, yeah. but what my counselor told me was you, you have different uh, three months, it gets, once you've been three months without it, it gets out of your system and the withdrawals start to go away. Um, then really the time where they completely go away is a year. Um, so I took it day by day. Um, and I, I, uh, my motto was I won't drink today. Um, 
And so uh, I, every time I went by a liquor store, I had a craving to go in and get alcohol. Yeah. Um, some, my gym was right near a liquor store. So every time I did that, um, I would have, a, I had cravings all the time, no matter what time of day. Um, but the thing that people don't understand, and even with tobacco, uh, is that it's a craving. It goes away. If yeah. you don't, if you don't succumb to it, it'll go away. Yeah. Um, so, you know, similar to people that struggle with, uh, with overeating or really anything, any yeah. addiction, it, if you have a craving, and you don't respond to it, it'll just go away. Yeah. Um, and so I really got good at, um, you know, uh, distracting myself and just realizing that it was a craving. Yeah. Um, but as I mentioned, I had to do things that were good for my mental health, um, like get away from school, uh, really study a lot more. My grades started to go up, yeah. um, you know, as I went through this. The other important thing was my mental health still wasn't it was better but it still wasn't phenomenal and i was having those um those uh stereotypical symptoms of of ocd you know intrusive thoughts which nobody really understands um you know weird weird thoughts in my mind that had never really been there um so i it was that winter after i had quit in october that i went to a therapist and um and uh and basically told him everything that had gone on my whole story. Yeah, and he yeah. said, um, yeah, I mean, you've been living and with OCD. Um, yeah. And so he prescribed me medicine um, to help with that. And uh, really things didn't, things started to get incredibly better since then. Yeah. Um, and my, my spring of my senior year was um, one of my best parts of college. Um, because my mental health was finally better. Yeah. Um, what point were you able to, I mean, because you stopped your senior year of college, which is an interesting time to stop because that's when people dr- drink a lot, um, knowing it's their last year of college and things like that. At what point were you able to go to a Saturday party and be comfortable um, not drinking and, and not missing it? Yeah, that's such an important thing that you say, because there were parts of me that were like, was like, I know I need to do this. I know I need to quit, but I'm not going to do it in college. It's too hard. I'm just going to, I'm just going to live it out. But the, the, the Sunday through Thursday and the withdrawals got so bad that I was having a hard time. I had an internship at the time. I was having a hard time like working. Um, You know, it was impacting all of my mental health and my ability to do school. Yeah. to the point where I didn't know if I'd have a job out of, out of college if I continued. Yeah. Um, and it was a crucial point in what I was doing um, because I made some amazing, uh, I made an amazing turnaround yeah. um, and it got me to where I am right now yeah. um, because I quit at that moment. Yeah. Um, and so I, part of me was like, I'm, no, I'm not gonna do this right now. Yeah. I'm just gonna wait. I'm, I'm gonna wait till after, gra- after I graduate you know, it's going to be, and, and, and it's going to be fine. Everybody drinks in college. It's fine. Like you can do it. You can just wait. And then it, it, it just hit a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, so, and I'd say by second semester, I was, um, I was, uh, going, uh, going out again, um, and, uh, in very limited capacity. 
um, you know, I would go to the bar and I would order um, non-alcoholic drinks and uh, everybody knew around me. So they weren't pressuring me. Um, I don't know if I got pressured at a bar to drink even once, which is remarkable. and, And hear me when I say this, people do not care. If you're doing what's good for yourself, yeah. people don't care. Yeah. They care. Everybody is the star of their own movie. Yeah. Like nobody cares about what you're doing. It's such a common misconception. And, and people hold this, you know, throughout. It's even, even more common when you're younger. People think that everybody sees what you're doing around them. Nobody sees it. Yeah. They see what they're doing. Nobody cares. Yeah. So the second I told people, I, I had support and people were like, you need to come out and be, and be sober. Yeah. Um, so I became the least responsible person to the most responsible yeah. person, yeah. Yeah. basically over a period of a couple months. Yeah. And I quit in college. Yeah. I could, I know people that have struggled or struggled drinking when they're in their seventies. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I did not want to do that because I knew who I was and I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. I couldn't get to my goals if I was still drinking. Yeah. I think also from, I think people struggle with telling their friends, but I think from a friend's perspective, they're almost going to have more respect for you because they might have something in their life that they should probably stop doing. And you're doing like, you're doing that. You're addressing a a part of your life that you want to change and you're doing it. So from a, like, I think a lot of people get nervous about telling their friends but a true friend will give you props like, wow, like he's, he's, he's trying to go in a positive direction. He's trying to like, you know, make some positive moves in his life. Um, so that, that, that's great that they were supportive. Yeah, yeah completely. Um, and I've gotten texts from friends, from uh, other people, um, just saying how amazing it was um, that I did what I did and I did the right thing for me. That shouldn't be uh, an amazing thing. Everybody should do what's right for them and feel the, it's it's a hard thing to do, but everybody should feel like they can have the power to do what's good for them. And people that are standing next to them should empower them to do that. Um, The, I also uh, really, um, I've, I've uh, also helped people, you know, that people were like, you know, I don't like drinking myself. Yeah. Um, I'm going through the same thing as you. Um, and I say, anything you need, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a phone call away, yeah. um, you know, and I'm, I'm willing to support you in any way I can. Um, I've had a couple friends that have gone through bouts of quitting, one that is still not drinking. Yeah. Um, unbelievably happy for him um, because this is what I want people to do. If something's not good for somebody, they should get support and stop. Um, Nothing's more important than your physical and mental health. Um, And you should do everything in your power to, to be able to do that. The other amazing thing that has come from my story and what has happened is um, the fact that I really felt, feel empowered to talk about mental health because I've gone through it and to talk about the fact that, our system is doesn't work and and is is broken um the stigma around mental health i dealt with it i've gone through it um it's it's complete crap it's it's 
hor- it's a really, really sad thing because nobody should have to go through what people go through and because they're embarrassed. If I told you that I had a cold or, or that I had the flu, yep. you would tell me to go to the doctor. Yep. Why, if, why if somebody's mental health is, is, is not in a good place, why does no, somebody say, oh, you shouldn't get help? Why are we embarrassed that we're treating something that should be treated and is just like any physical health issue yeah. in, in our body? It, it makes no sense and yeah. it needs to change. Yeah. Otherwise, people are going to continue. We're going to see more kids struggling with mental health. We're going to see less, uh, you know, society's not going to be able to function the way it should. If our mental health isn't in, in check, nothing else can work. Yeah. It's been interesting because I've been pretty vocal about my mental health struggles. And it'll, it's always interesting when people are like, but you're so social, you're so confident in, in, in like, you know, um, you know, you're like so parties. You're, 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 you, so, went to, you went to beat Boston College, you graduated, you have a job, yeah, you're yeah. so smart, you, you're fine. Yeah, I got yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Um, Nobody knows, and, and this is a, a incredibly cliche phrase, but, and, but nobody knows the battle that somebody else is fighting. Yeah. Um, and everybody's fighting a battle. Yeah. I don't know anybody that hasn't had some sort of mental health challenge. Yeah. Now, um, it was funny, like, you know, I've, uh, basically I said, you know, my, gr- my life growing up was, was great. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't see anybody struggling around me. Yeah. That's because they didn't talk about it. Yeah. That's just because they, they kept it internally. Yeah. And I didn't know you had struggled. Um, yeah. And I listened to your podcast, which is what the reason I'm here today yeah. is to say that um, I want to join you in a movement of everybody talking about yeah. what they've gone through. I've seen celebrities, Michael Phelps, yeah. um, you know, was suicidal. Yeah. Um, there, if we can normalize getting help, and getting uh, and getting uh, it from a really early age, if 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 uh, you know, speaking to a therapist is just like putting on a band aid when you get a cut. Yeah. Then that will save people's lives, yep. literally. Yeah. Um. And there's no reason that we should have the mental health challenges that we do right now. Yep. If we if we start start by ending the stigma and getting people talking more, that's yep. the beginning. Yeah. And and the crazy thing is is that it ends like i think you talked about this a little bit but like it ends up making you a better version of yourself by actually acknowledging the problem and and embracing it you end up reaching your potential because if you always hide it you always deal with it on your own those are tough hours when you're alone but if you have the ability to recognize, oh, this is probably, you know, just my anxiety talking, then you, you approach it differently. You're like, all right, let me, let me do something to like, just take my mind off of feeling so anxious. Yeah, exactly. I think the hardest part is opening up to the first person. Yeah. When you open up to the first person and you get a good reaction, um, one, you inspire them to potentially open up to somebody else. Yeah. And two, you have somebody that you can say, um, what if, what if somebody at work, you know, uh, said, Hey, I'm actually really having a hard time. You know, I'm, I'm pretty anxious about this thing. Um, 
and the person at work would say, you know, oh, I completely understand. Um, instead of bottling it up yeah. and self-medicating it and, and dealing it with, with it just on your own, um, you know, we don't deal with anything else on our own. No. If I, if I, you know, if I have some sort of uh, uh, physical um, symptom, um, you break your I, leg. yeah, if I break my leg, you know, even more simply, if I have a sore throat, I go to the doctor. Yeah. Um, but if somebody experiences some sort of, uh, you know, anxiety or, uh, you know, um, bipolar symptoms, anything like that, nobody talks about it. Yeah. They're ashamed about it. Literally, there's nothing Even you though the mind it, is part of the body. <laughs> it, it, totally. It's a mind thing. It's nothing yeah. you did. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and, it, and it's nothing that you, you know, it, it's, it's, you need to get treated for it. It's nothing yeah. that you caused. I think that's another thing. Like, you know, people think that people cause themselves to have depression. Um, you know, there's certain things that like trauma that causes depression, yeah. so, stuff that's out of your control, the way you grew up. Yeah. Um, you know, whether you got bullied, um, you know, that, that, uh, you, you, that you can't do anything about it's a brain chemistry thing. Yeah. Um, that's why there's medicine for it. They don't just tell you to go outside and take a walk. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to treat the actual, uh, the actual, uh, chemical, uh, thing that's going on in your body to get better. Yeah. And, and before you do that, no matter what you do in your life, you know, I could have, I could have, uh, quit drinking, gotten a, my, uh, gotten into a great relationship, gotten a good job. But if my mental health isn't right, nothing's going to function well. Yep. And that's yep. what people don't understand. Sometimes yep. they think they can fix it. Yep. Um, so, you know, we were at the point where October 30th, you decide to make the change. You're meeting with a counselor, um, on a, you know, a weekly basis or something weekly, like yep. that. Um, I was actually seeing a, my therapist once a week and my alcohol counselor one, once a week, awesome. um, uh, to, um, and they were not easy, uh, sessions. Um, you know, you, you really get into, um, really what's going on, um, and talk about it. But, uh, and if I could just say this, um, yeah. also about therapists, um, I've heard from a number of people, um, and I was afraid I always said counselor. Because yeah. I was worried of, about the word therapist. Yeah. It has a very negative connotation to it. Yeah. But if I told you, if I told you, Arnav, that if, if I said, you know, would you like to have some, a third party in your life that you could talk to that's a constant in your life and that you can open up to without a fear of a bias, yeah. um, wouldn't you say, oh, yeah, I'll do that? 100%. Um, yeah. And also the other thing is what if I told you that it would be a free service um, and that you didn't have to pay therapy and counseling and mental health um, health is way too expensive yeah. um, for, for everybody should have access to mental health resources. Yeah. Um, and this brings me to my point uh, that, and something that I would love to work for is that we normalize mental health services from the, from the kid, the second kids are in elementary school, we bring in um, contracted mental health workers, um, counselors to help kids see that it's just as normal as going to the school nurse yeah. when you're dealing with something instead of internalizing it, having Definitely. it come out in bullying, having it come out in 
um, behaviors. Why do we, why do we, uh, react? We had behavioral counselors all in, in, um, in, uh, in, in elementary school and high school, why do we wait to diagnose the behavior rather than the issue yeah. backwards on it? Yeah. So, and the second you get more uh, counselors in at an earlier age, it gets normalized to kids and you have kids that are talking to mental health counselors. So if you went, if, if mental health therapists, psychiatrists, if you went to one in high school um, and I saw you going to one, I'd say, Hey, Arnav, you know, how did that help? Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, well, I just talked to her yeah. about what was going on with me. It and would be just as normal as as seeing somebody, yeah. uh, you know, going to extra help for a teacher. Yeah. And if it's something that you're is ingrained it with you at a young age, then suddenly it's not a a stigma because then it's exactly we completely start treating the issues rather than stigmatizing. The people that are getting are, you know, talking about their mental health. I remember seeing posts of people that were cutting themselves in high school. And I was like, oh, you know, I wonder why, why they caused that to happen to themselves. Yeah, that's not what happens. Yeah. Um, and the other issue is that people aren't mature. There, there's no maturity. Um, you know, if I told you, if somebody was cutting themselves right now, and I talked to my friends, you know, about it, we would say, how can we help that person? Not how can we stay away from that person? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a really sad thing about um, the maturity level. But if we ingrain these things in these, in these kids at a younger age, then that goes away. Yeah. And, and, and you save so many people. Yeah. Makes society and the community better if everyone's thriving. Yeah, exactly. So we need to have more conversations with like this and we need kids to be able to have conversations like this. Yeah. Um, Talk again, I guess a little bit about um, what are things that you've done, you know, maybe post-grad and and stuff like that, that have, you know, allowed you to keep the discipline of, of not drinking and of keeping your mental health, um, as good as you can keep it, things like that. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, it, now it's really hard, um, to do, but I like to meditate, um, a lot and really get into a, um, kind of, a a subconscious, uh, state. um, and that really helped. Mindfulness is really helpful yep. working out, um, cooking, yep. uh, exercising, um, you know, uh, playing golf, doing recreational activities, um, you know, working is really important. Um, you know, finding a sense of purpose, um, is, is really, uh, a great thing. A lot of people, um, will find, um, help, uh, you know, through religion. Um, you know, they'll find something that, that, you know, is bigger than the alcohol to them. For me, you know, I really want that to be, the kind of volunteer work and what I do outside of, um, outside of my day job, because it's not healthy to focus on work all the time, as you and I know. Yeah. Um, but you need other things to offset that, that you're really interested in. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that really, really has helped me is finding the, a career that I'm really happy about. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I mentioned how the spring of my senior year of college in 2017 was transformational for me. I decided that I was going to go 
away from home and do an AmeriCorps service year. Um, and I, I was surrounded by 30 people that were very similar to me and their desire to help people, um, which was incredibly helpful. And I learned, I learned even more how much I loved connecting with people and helping people. And that, that is who I am and who I always have been. I I might've lost it through drinking a little bit, but I've always been somebody that will pick up somebody when they're down and include other people. Um, and that's who I am that I I found who I am and what my value is. Um, and the, and you talked about self-esteem on your, on, we can get into self-esteem a little bit, um, on this, uh, episode, you talked about self-esteem, uh, you know, being a driver of your mental health, taking a a turn. Um, and my, my self-esteem was derived by that entertainment and and was low, you know, when I wasn't, and what I didn't find, see, have a lot of self-esteem in other areas. Um, And and the thing is you're, you, you think that your friend's acceptance level of you depends on you always entertaining. Totally. Totally. Just like how, um, you know, if, if you were, you know, in, in, uh, in AP classes or in a band, you, uh, you think that you have to be the top of the top for people to accept you. Um, so really, uh, through my not drinking, I have gained an incredible amount of self-esteem. I can't understate that enough. I will walk into, I just don't, I, one, I don't care what other people think because I know who I am. Um, and that is, that's also helped me with my work, um, because I know I'm doing what I need to do. Um, you know, and I know who I am. Um, you know, when you realize that, um, really things start to turn around. Um, so I'm, you know, even if I, you know, if I share something with a friend, um, I, I feel comfortable doing that because I have the self-esteem to know that I know that I'm somebody that wants, likes to help people and derive my, um, my fulfillment from that. So that's, that's what I try to do in, in every aspect of my life. That's awesome. Um, I guess anything else that you want to, I mean, so it's been, um, you know, I just want to acknowledge how helpful it is to hear about your journey. Um, because I think that there's a stereotype that, you know, alcoholism is you drinking alone in your room where, you know, a lot of it is in front of everybody in social situations, just binge drinking. Um, and the reality is, you know, your friends at those parties aren't looking at what you're, how much or what you're drinking and things like that. So they might not even be aware it's on you, which is the tough part to realize. They also don't, they're not in your headspace the next day and the next three, four days. They're never in your headspace. They're focused in their headspace. And if their headspace is good and they're doing the same thing as you, I always envy those people, but I wouldn't trade where I am right now for anything. I, um, um, I wouldn't trade my, uh, sobriety from alcohol for anything. Um, I, it's been the, one of the highlights of my life to be able to do this, um, and to be able to do it so early, um, and get, get ahead of it. I'm, when I tell you I wouldn't be where I am today without doing it, uh, that's not an understatement. I, I don't know if I 
would have gotten a job out of college um, because it was just getting worse and it just gets worse. Every day you don't address it, it just gets worse. So I'd add that anybody that um, would like to learn more or talk about, you know, anything, always reach out to me. Um, I'll give, you know, Arnav has my cell phone number, my email, you know, um, and I wanted, I want to thank you for all that you're doing um, because you, you speaking up about your mental health inspired me to do that. Yeah. That's what I haven't told my, I've told my story to, to individuals, yep. never told it on a public setting. Yep. I didn't know um, that about you. Yeah. I yeah, didn't, I didn't know a, exactly. Um, yeah. and so we want more people to do this. We want to, we want to have yep. a full zoom of people talking. About <laughs> yeah. This. Uh, I mean, that's the goal. Yeah. Um, because this is what life is. Yeah. Life isn't it. Life is hard. Um, yeah. and, this, the, when you realize that and realize that everybody is dealing with something, things start to change and you really get empowered to, to, to help yourself and help others. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then um, it was, it, so it was great to see through a counselor and things like that, that you made the change and eventually, you know, you distract, like did other things on Saturdays, occupied your time elsewhere focused on different things. And then, you know, three to six months later, you were at a point where you could still go to parties and not care um, Mm -hmm. about not drinking. Um, And then I think you talked about purpose and finding that and that helping in, you know, finding something bigger than you allows you to um, not really miss it and things like that. Um, Yeah, and the second you focus on your well-being things start to happen that are positive around you. Yeah. I mentioned that I met my girlfriend, um, uh, Grace, uh, right after I quit drinking, I got into AmeriCorps. I've had an amazing, um, I've, I live in Charleston. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've, uh, I have a great job. I've got yeah. awesome people around me. Um, I just want to take a second to, uh, you know, thank my, um, my family uh, for their support. My, yeah my girlfriend, Grace, um, all of my friends, anybody that is in my life, um, I wouldn't be here um, and who I am today without you. Um, I, I love all you guys. Um, and uh, I'm really, if this helps one person, um, yeah. I will come forward every single, I, I will help <laughs> I, every yeah. day of the year. Yeah. Um, I will talk about the, and my goal is to, you know, uh, really talk to people and, and say, this is what, life is um and this is this is where we are as a society and and i want to see it get better so i'm i'm uh i'm ready to to do that and help in any way that i can as i know you are so um i'm glad that we were able to connect um thank you for being a resource yeah no thank you for um for all all the people that you're helping thank you uh talk so how can um people want to reach out or something like that and maybe have a conversation with you. Um, how can they, uh, reach out to you on like, yeah, um, media on Facebook? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't do much, uh, Facebook messenger. Um, friend, friend me on Facebook, Instagram, really anything. What's, um, what's your Instagram? So it's Adam, uh, underscore Burak 12. Um, shout out to Tom Brady, uh, for the <laughs> Super Bowls as well. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so that's my Instagram. You can email me, uh, at, uh, a Burak, which is B U R A K 
at Winkler, W-I-N-K-L-E-R, group.com. Um, and then uh, you can also uh, call or text me at 978-621-1108. When I say that I love to talk on the phone, I, it's not an understatement. I yeah. pick up random numbers, which I know is rare. Yeah. Um, so if you're reaching out, just... I, I'd love to talk and 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 uh, further the conversation um, in any way I can. Thank you for doing that, Adam. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, I, get, I appreciate you being on the podcast um, and look forward to seeing um, all the, you know, the continued great work that you're doing. Um, thank you again. Thanks, Arnav. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Yes, you too. <laughs>